Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Um, so that video, I want us to think for a moment about what was going on in that deer's mind. All right, so it's all tangled up, and then these guys come up to it, and of course, he thinks they're the enemy. In fact, he's kind of running away from them, charges them at one time. Um, but there at the end, it, you can kind of see he kind of just settles in and says, maybe they're here to help. <laughs> maybe. And so the, the guys end up freeing the deer from the fence, and he takes off running, and he's made a new friend, right? He goes, oh, those guys weren't so bad after all. Until next fall, when it's deer season, then those same guys are probably not going to be quite so friendly. Because that's, that's the way it is in life. Sometimes it's hard to tell who's an enemy, right? And who's a friend. Hey, Brandon, there's a little bit of bass. And if you can pull a little bit of bass out, that'd be good. Um, so sometimes it's hard to tell who's a friend and who's an enemy. Pastor Stanley, back in 2016, Pastor Stanley is over the New Generation Dreamland Children's Home in South Sudan. And in 2016, the Civil War had come right up to their property. And uh, that day, uh, the guns were firing on both sides between the rebels and the government soldiers, and there were bullets whizzing across the camp compound. The kids told me that they spent the entire day underneath their beds just laying there trying not to get shot. That was the day that Pastor Stanley decided it's time to get these kids out of here. Uh, it's too dangerous for them. So he loaded them up that night and spent the next three days uh, just going through the, the, the bush country, the back country, uh, to take 120 kids to, to safety over in Uganda. But on his way, he came across the rebel soldiers and uh, was a little bit concerned. They had guns, and uh, there was stories about them taking child, you know, abducting children and making them child soldiers. And so he wasn't sure what he was going to see when he came up across them, but they actually stopped and said, hey, we're here to help you. And they um, told him where to go, where not to go. They kind of escorted him out away from the battle, and they were able to get through uh, and make it to Uganda. But the thing is, it's hard to know sometimes who's a friend and who's an enemy, right? Anyone a, a fan of the movie The Matrix? Any of those? Just Oh yeah, there's a few geeks out there. Thank you. I'm a geek. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, but in that movie, Neo is the main character. He trusted his friend Cypher. But Cypher betrayed him because it's hard to know. It's hard to know who's a friend and who's an enemy. And of course, when we think of that kind of a situation, we think of Jesus and Judas, right? You know, Judas was uh, a really close friend to Jesus. In fact, we don't hear much about Judas because the Gospels were written after Judas betrayed him. So they weren't going to write much about Judas in a positive sense, because he was the betrayer. But Judas was a really close friend, and some Bible scholars believe that he was even closer than Peter, because he was in charge of the money. So if you think about that, Jesus' closest friend betrayed him. It's hard to know. It's hard to know who's a friend and who's an enemy. But knowing who your enemies are is really important. And if you've been a follower of Christ for very long, you've probably 
started to feel like there is an enemy out there <laughs> because this, this idea of following Christ is kind of hard. It's like something's fighting against me. And it's true. We have spiritual enemies. We do. Um, and it's, it's, they're not people, just so we all know, when we think of our, our spiritual enemies, it's not the people around us. It's not the people we work with. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So rulers, authorities, powers, spiritual forces of evil. These are our enemies. And these enemies want us dead. They want us dead spiritually. They want us dead relationally. They want us dead emotionally. And if they can get away with it, they want us dead physically. Let there be no doubt, there's a spiritual battle going on for our souls. Now, these enemies do not respond to bullets and bombs. There's a different type of weapon that we need to use against these enemies. And today we're going to be looking at just exactly who are some of these enemies and what are some of the weapons that God has given us to fight against them. Our message is number two. It's week two of a four-week message series on prayer. Our series is titled Prayer Diving Deep. And last week, we introduced the series by talking about some of the basic elements of prayer. So if prayer is something that's intimidating to you, I would encourage you to go back, listen to last week's message. You can go to our website or download it, um, as a po- on, the, download it on your favorite podcast player. But today we're going to be talking about another aspect of prayer. It's a type of prayer that we call spiritual warfare prayer. And we're going to walk through that today. We'll be looking at uh, scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You can turn there if you would like. The Apostle Paul wrote this book. And uh, if you read a little bit into Acts, you'll see that Paul went to the city of Corinth and established a church there. And uh, he was actually there teaching them for a year and a half before he left. So his heart was definitely with the church in Corinth. And he spent the next, uh, or he spent time away from the church, but he sent two specific letters that are recorded here in Scripture, First and Second Corinthians. So we're going to be reading from the second letter to the church. Chapter 10, starting with verse 3. For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we're going to learn from that scripture today. um, The message titled, Spiritual Warfare winning the battle for our souls. And I'll give you some things you can fill in on your handout. But first, let me pray. So God, we come to you and we thank you for your scripture that is true. And God, we thank you for giving us um, insight and giving us weapons to fight this battle. So Lord, today, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive from you. And I invite your Holy Spirit to be here to minister to us, Lord. And I pray that you would give me your words to speak. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this is your first fill-in on your handout. When it comes to spiritual battles, number one, we need to know our enemies. 
We need to know our enemies. In our scripture, it says, um, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the scripture is giving us some clues as to what some of the weapons of our enemy are. Some of them include strongholds. It also includes arguments and pretensions that are contrary to God. And lastly, they include wayward thoughts as well. And I believe that each of these weapons actually represents an enemy of our soul. And we're going to walk through three enemies of our souls. The first one is our flesh. Our flesh builds strongholds. So let me explain. Our flesh is, an act, is actually an enemy of our soul. When we are born, we are born with an instinct to protect ourselves, right? I mean, it's more than just protection. It's like caring for ourselves. We want to take care of ourselves. We want to uh, baby ourselves. We want to make sure that we are number one, right? Taking care of number one. You've heard that saying before. And so to do that, we create these strongholds in our life to protect ourselves. A definition of stronghold is this, a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. A place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. So our flesh builds these strongholds to protect ourselves so that we can do whatever we want, whatever we think is best for me, and no one can tell me differently. Now, I do love the way that Paul describes this battle between our spirit and our flesh in Galatians. It says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So you begin to see there's a battle here. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those that list there represents the self-centeredness that we have. In fact, one of those is selfish ambition. It's this idea that we are going to take care of ourselves. That is completely in contrast with Jesus' teachings. If we go back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, it says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the golden rule. So Jesus teaches, don't care for yourself. Care for others. Sacrifice yourself and what you want for the wants and desires of others. But our flesh doesn't like that. <laughs> our flesh begins to battle against us whenever we try to do that. Our spirit wants to do that, but our flesh is, at bat is battling against us. Romans 7, chapter 7, verse 15. Paul talks about this battle in himself. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. 
For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And later on in that chapter, he says, what a wretched man I am. There's sin living in this flesh. And the hard thing about this enemy is that everywhere I go, I take it with me. Every thought I think, every action I take, I have the enemy of my flesh fighting against me. Because my flesh wants me to take care of myself and myself alone. So one of the ways that we can fight against our flesh is to tell our flesh that it's not number one, that our spirit is number one. We just recently did that. Many of us in the church took 21 days and we fasted. Some fasted from food, some did a Daniel fast, some fasted from social media or music or caffeine. But these were all things that our flesh wants. And we said, you know what, flesh, I'm going to say no to you for the next 21 days. And I'm going to say yes to God and what he wants to do. And I'll tell you, it was hard. I don't know. It was hard for me. I was doing the Daniel fast. It was rough. I was depressed half the time. I went through the the salad bar (laughs) at Martin's and I just, I had to choose all the things I don't want. And I had to say no to all the things I do want. And man, I would start happy. But by the time I got to the end, I was sad. And I just eat this food. I actually ate a salad with no dressing one time. Never done that in my life before, but I was just tired of vinegar. I was just like, oh, I just eat it. Anyway, my flesh was unhappy, but I'll tell you what, my spirit was soaring. Man, oh man, it was good. It was really good. So we can take a blow to our flesh by simply saying no to it. Paul says it this way, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He understood, man, my flesh is my enemy at war against me and I need to beat it into submission. So our desires, the desires of our flesh are contrary to the commands of God. It's an enemy of our soul. A second enemy of enemy of our soul is the world. The world argues against the will of God. Our world is our secular culture around us that we live in with its values and beliefs. Verse 5 of our key text says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. A pretension, by the way, I had to look this up, is a claim or an assertion. So these arguments and claims and assertions are contrary to the commandments of God. And most of us know this because we live here, right? We don't live in a Christian society. It's, it's not. It's a very secular society that's becoming more and more ungodly every day. And so our culture is consistently trying to influence us to believe and understand things, to think things that are contrary to God's will. For example, these are just some things that I've heard over the years. Uh, One is, it's okay to live with my boyfriend or girlfriend, right? It's okay. I mean, why wouldn't you want to try it before you buy it? That's 
That's, that's an argument in the world. Or it's okay to smoke pot. It grows naturally, so why wouldn't, if God put it out there, then it must be for our enjoyment. It's okay to watch this show, which has people having sex on TV, because it's just for a few minutes, and, you know, the show is actually really, really good. It's really good otherwise. Or this is kind of a new one that's come up in the last, you know, 10 years or so. It's okay to hate bullies. If someone is mean to somebody else, then it's okay to hate them, right? I mean, and it's okay to kind of rejoice if they get beat up or somebody makes fun of them or puts them in their place. It's okay to pursue the American dream and step on anyone along the way, do whatever it takes. And, and it's also, it's okay to spend all of my hard-earned money on what I want. Right? Because I deserve it. These are just some of the influences in our culture. You guys know these. You've probably heard some of them. You might have thought some of them. But Jesus teaches otherwise. Jesus says that sex outside of the context of marriage between a man and a woman is sinful. Jesus says that if we are supposed to stay sober and alert, Jesus says that if we even look lustfully at a woman, we've committed adultery in our hearts. Jesus says if we hate someone for any reason, it's a sin. And as for money, Jesus tells us to be generous with what we have and to share what we have with others. The world's ways, our culture, is an enemy of our soul. The world says what is wrong is, is right, and what's right is wrong. And sometimes it's hard not to be influenced by it. That influence is actually given a, a term called herd mentality, or peer pressure, or mob mentality, pack mentality. It describes how people can be influenced by their peers to adopt certain behaviors on a largely emotional rather than rational basis. And this happens all the time. Sometimes at, a, at a, a small level, and other times it's a significant deal. Let's just go back and remember Nazi Germany, which was in some of our lifetime. So at that time, Adolf Hitler convinced the Germans to believe that the Jews were the problem. The Jewish people, they were arrogant, they were mean. They were people that we don't like. Every problem we have here in Germany is because of them. And so everyone started to say that. The culture shifted, and the Jews became the enemy. And so they started arresting the Jews. Like the soldiers started to believe that they were the enemy, so they started arresting them. People started turning them in. Because their neighbors were now the enemies, so they turned them into the, the, to the soldiers, and they rounded them all up into concentration camps, and then they began to kill them. At that time, 11 million Jews, innocent Jews, were murdered for no other reason than because of who they were. And someone thought that was okay. Actually, a lot more than one person. There was an influence that happened, and hundreds, thousands of people participated 
in this genocide. And here's the sad deal. 1.1 million of those were children. How can you, how can you possibly believe that killing children is right? But they did. And that's what they did do. That was the Holocaust. And our world, our culture today continues to influence us away from godly principles. This is how Paul says we are to combat the enemy of the world. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Simply put, don't think like everyone around you. Be counterculture. By definition, if culture is headed in an ungodly way, then we should act, look, talk, dress differently. We should be different than the culture around us. The biggest influence that we have today is media. It's what goes in our eyes and goes into our ears. That's how we're getting programmed today. What we see and what we listen to. So we need to be careful. We need to watch what we watch. We need to be careful to what we listen to. And we need to fight the culture of our world by surrounding ourselves with godly influences. Listen to church podcasts. Watch Christian movies. Read Christian books. If you're not in a small group, join a small group. Be part of a community of believers. If you're a young adult, go to young adults. If you're a student, go to student ministries. And please, 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 come to church every Sunday. At least for an hour, you're going to be influenced in a positive way to combat the hours that we spend in this culture. So just make it a priority to be an every weeker. You just come to church every week. Our, cult, our culture is powerful, but we can take a stand against it. The third enemy of our souls is the devil. The devil whispers lies to us. And by the way, that's the devil with a small d, because the devil does not get my respect to capitalize his name. This is how Peter describes the devil. He says, be alert and sober mind of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So there really is a devil, there really are demons, and they are enemies of our soul. The main tactic of the devil is not some pitchfork that he's going to throw at you. The main tactic of the enemy is to whisper lies into our mind. Satan cannot read our mind, but he sure can plant thoughts and ideas. Most of these are partial lies, half-truths, right? And by the way, a half-truth is a whole lie, right? And that's what Satan speaks. That's his language. Jesus described him this way. He was talking to some of the Jewish leaders in the book of John, chapter 8, he says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan cannot speak truth. Satan only speaks lies. Now, how do you confront a lie? If someone's lying to you, how do you confront a person who lies? You confront them with the truth, right? That's the same with Satan. This is the truth. This book is the truth. And so we confront Satan with Scripture. In fact, if you um, read, uh, where is that at? Matthew chapter 4. Jesus is baptized, and then he goes into the desert to be tempted by Satan. He fasts for 40 days, and Satan shows up and starts tempting him. If you read that chapter, read that story, you'll note that Jesus does not throw any punches. He does not tell Satan, just be quiet, leave me alone. All Jesus does is quote scripture. And as soon as he says the truth of God's word, Satan shuts up and goes on to the next lie. And then he says the truth and he shuts up, goes on to the the next lie. Then Satan tries to twist it by quoting scripture himself in in an out of context way. And then Jesus comes through with the truth of scripture again and, and wins that battle. That's how we win the battle against Satan and his demons is with the truth of Scripture. So if we have thoughts that are contrary to God's will in our lives, verse 5 says we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So we can take our thoughts captive and command them to be obedient to Christ. Satan's the third enemy of our souls. There's so much more I'd like to talk about for this, but we don't have time. So that's point number one. We need to know our enemies. Number two, uh, we can be confident of our victory. We're on the winning team. We're on the winning team. The scripture says, in verse four, it says, we demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. We take captive every thought, make it obedient to Christ. There's a lot of active verbs there. And those are powerful words because we demolish them. We destroy them because we are on the winning team. Many times we think of, oh, we got Satan and we got God and there's this battle going on you know, between two equals. That's just simply not the case. God is incredibly more powerful than Satan. God create, is the creator and Satan is the created being. God created Satan. And the created does not have power over the creator. Our God is the winner, will be the winner, is undefeated, and we're on his team. Now we're in a, a prayer series, and I haven't really talked about prayer yet. <laughs> so when we talk about this. Many times we call it spiritual warfare prayer. But when we pray, we pray to God, we pray to Jesus, we pray to the Holy Spirit. When we do spiritual warfare, it's not necessarily prayer, though we can pray and say, God, give me wisdom on how to pray. But spiritual warfare is making statements, is making declarations. It's stating the truth. And we speak to our enemies. So for example, in my daily prayers, I address all three enemies. So the first is my flesh. And so I make statements right up front to my flesh. And the way I do it is I... I give up my rights because my flesh thinks I have a right to three meals 
a day and Starbucks in between and a snack here or there. My flesh feels like I have a right to comfort. My flesh feels like I, I have a right to be appreciated. And if I don't, I'm going to be mad. You know what I mean? So every day I make statements to my flesh and I say like, okay, I give up my right to be appreciated. I give up my right to be right. My right to be heard. My right to defend myself. My right to my schedule. And I tell my flesh right up front who's in charge. I also practice every week some sort of fasting just to remind my flesh that you're not in charge and that I'm going to do what the Spirit tells me. And secondly, when we're talking about the world, the world influences us what is contrary to God. So the way that you can renew your mind and not be influenced by the world as much as you're influenced by God is to read Scripture. Scripture is truth. And it's a renewing of a mind. And when I'll, I'll read my Bible every morning, but there are times I just will sit there and let God renew my mind. You know, Lord, if there are thoughts that I have adopted that are not of you, Lord, take them away. Bring up the Scripture that fights against them. And lastly, I take captive every thought and command it to be subject to Jesus Christ. Now I'll tell you what, this week's been a rough week for me because we're doing spiritual warfare, right? So Satan's going to come at me. I've had more crazy thoughts this week than I've had in a long time. It's been crazy. And I've had to take my thoughts captive consistently. Because here's the deal. 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you, Jesus Christ, is greater than the one who is in the world, Satan, with a little s, the devil with a small d, who thinks he's like a yapping dog, right? I mean, has a big bark, but honestly, we have authority over the enemy. And I will pray that prayer because, again, our sword in a battle against the enemy is the word of God. I don't have any strength on my own. If it was just me against Satan, I would lose. Okay? But greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Because it's me and it's, it's God. The creator, his son Jesus, the Holy Spirit, his presence here on earth. That's who's on my team. And because of that, I can win. I can win and so can you. So... There are times I just simply need to take a thought captive, and there are times I need to remind Satan who's in charge. So, for example, if I feel fear, which I know, you know, there are times we're just afraid. We're afraid of the future. We're afraid of the past. We're afraid of conversations. You know, we just have fear. Well, here's a scripture that I read, or I quote, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And this scripture I actually prefer in the King James, for it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so I'll just declare that and say, No, I'm not going to be afraid. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So I'll, I'll declare it against the enemy. And there are times I need to declare it again. And I need to declare it again because that's how we do warfare against our enemies is we make declarations and proclamations and we speak the truth. And the enemy flees. Scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's how we resist him was with the truth of God. The enemy likes to mess us up 
at night. Like to make sure that we don't get a good nice rest, right? I mean, that's just part of the, one of the tactics of the enemy. And so here's one of the scriptures that you can read before you go to bed. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 24 says, When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. You can just pray that over your, yourself and your family. Say, no, when I lie down, Scripture says, I will not be afraid. When I lie down, my sweet will be, my sleep will be sweet. You say that to the devil. Sweet, my sleep is going to be sweet, and you're not going to mess with it. We can make a declaration. Now, there was a season in my life when I was being woken up at 3 in the morning, right at 3 a.m., you know, like every night. And so I'd try to go back to sleep and wouldn't get a real good night's sleep, be grumpy the next day. And one day I realized, I said, you know, this is probably the devil because the fruit of this is not godly. So this is probably the enemy waking me up. So I started praying. You know, I just started praying protection. Um, Psalm 91, by the way, is a prayer that you can pray of protection over your family. And I'd encourage you, if, if you have trouble sleeping, your family has trouble sleeping, you pray that over them. Anyway, so I would just pray over my family, a prayer of protection. And then I thought, you know, for me, I've always believed that the best defense is a strong offense. So I was praying prayers, defensive prayers, you know, protection prayers. And I thought, no, if you're going to wake me up, then I'm going to start praying. I'm going to take the offense side. And I started praying for my, my family. I started praying for uh, my neighbors. I started praying for you know, the president of the United States. I started praying for people in other countries. And you know what happened? Satan stopped waking me up. It's like, don't poke the bear. I mean, let's just let sleeping dogs lie, right? Do not mess with him because when I, I wake him up in the middle of the night, he starts fighting. And that's what we need to be. We need to be warriors for God. We need to take up our swords, which is the word of God, and we need to strike a blow on the enemy. Here's your last fill-in. Satan's only chance at winning is if we don't fight. That's his only chance. We're on the winning team. We have the weapons that win. He's trying to win the battle in our minds. So we have to fill our minds with the word of God. So when it comes to spiritual battles, we can be confident of our victory. I'm going to invite Rose to come up here and close us out in a time of prayer. And uh, Tony's going to play on the keys. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.